Well, it's that time of year again. Projects are in full swing, and you know what that means. you got to make that trip up to Jacob's Supply. Whether you're a contractor or builder, or you're checking those things off the to-do list around the house, now is the time to visit Jacob's Supply. Guys, listen to some of the crazy good deals they have going on right now. PVC decking for $2.99 a linear foot in 10 different colors. Composite decking for $2.35 a linear foot in two colors. Treated decking for $0.65 a linear foot. Duralife composite rail kits available in select colors starting at $64.99. And don't forget the vinyl rail kits also available in stock. Need the fasteners? They have those too. Hidden or visible? Clips or screws. Jacob Supply is located in Temperance, Michigan, but ships many products nationally too. So whether you're in-state or out-of-state, they're just a click or call away. Check them out at www.jacobsupply.com or call them at 734-224-0978. That's 734-224-0978 or click the link in the description of this episode. Jacob Supply, your one-stop shop for products you need at prices you love. Hey guys, you got to join us at the Thank God for Bitcoin 2024 conference in Rocket Town, Nashville, July 24th and 25th. Last year was phenomenal and this year is going to be even better. G.K. Chesterton once said, I never discuss anything else except politics and religion. There is nothing else to discuss. Given how secular our current world is, this might sound strange. We can think of many things that don't initially seem political, but whether we recognize it or not, religion and politics define the playing surface and rules that govern our lives and actions. And money is one of the most powerful tools in enacting the wills of both government and God. Although we all use it, few Christians have a rich, biblically grounded, historically informed framework through which to understand what money is, and consequently the effect it necessarily has on how we think about economic issues. Well, that won't fly at this conference. We're talking stewardship, dominion, and the economics of glory with some of the biggest names around. Speakers include Michael Foster, C.R. Wiley, Dr. Ben Merkel, Dr. Glenn Sunshine, Nate Fisher, Jordan Bush, and many, many more. You won't want to miss this lineup. This is one of the most intellectually powerful theologically sound, and all-around good time conferences you can go to this summer. So go to www.tgfb.com, that's Thank God for Bitcoin, www.tgfb.com, and get your tickets today, or click on the link in the description of this episode. See you there, guys. Christians, are you tired of just talking about starting a parallel economy and not doing anything about it? The Workspace Conference is the catalyst you've been waiting for. Join us this June 28th and 29th at the Hilton in downtown Fort Worth, Texas. Engage with leading Christian thinkers like David Bonson, C.R. Wiley, Steve Jeffrey, David Reese, and Andrew Krapyshevs. They'll share invaluable insights on how to actively integrate your faith with your professional life in ways that really matter. These leaders are not just thinkers, but doers, shaping a Christian approach to business that makes a real impact. This event is more than speeches. It's a vibrant networking hub for Christian professionals and entrepreneurs eager to create substantial change. It's an opportunity to forge meaningful connections, explore new business opportunities, and collaborate in a faith-driven environment. Don't miss the highlight of our networking opportunities, the exclusive speakers dinner. This is a premier event where you can dine with our speakers and other influential guests, deepening relationships and discussing ideas in an intimate setting. We are also actively seeking partners who are passionate about building a Christian economy. If you're interested in collaborating or sponsoring, we'd love to hear from you. And make sure you join us for Beer and Psalms for some relaxed fellowship and let's turn our faith into action together. So reserve your spot now at www.worksbase.com That's worksbase.com or click the link in the description of this episode and be part of building a dynamic Christian professional community. Let's move beyond talk, fellas, and start creating the change we want to see. Exploring theology, doctrine, and all of the fascinating subjects in between 
Broadcasting from an undisclosed location, Dead Men Walking starts now. Hey everyone, what's up? Welcome back to another episode of Dead Men Walking Podcast. Thanks for coming along on the ride. Thanks for sharing with a friend. Thanks for the feedback, the posts, the comments, the reshares, all that good stuff. Uh, all for the glory of God. Uh, we're going to get right into it. You guys know these um, young brothers in the Lord. They're fastly becoming one of my favorites. I think this is their third time on the podcast, but I love it anytime <laughs> they want to stop by and talk. we got Bruce and Jacob from the Reformed Dissenters. What's up, brothers? Hey, Hello. how's it going? Happy to be here. Yeah. Yeah, Likewise. pretty cool. So um, uh, the I don't know when this is going to drop. It might drop in two weeks. So I, you know, a few episodes back, I think we had a gentleman on named Blake Callens. You guys listen to that episode. And I appreciate you listening to the podcast. I do the same for yours at Reformed Dissenters. And um, he was kind of, he's really big into trying to seek out and find any type of authoritarianism or uh, white nationalism within the Christian nationalism movement. And he had, he had talked about uh, Torba in his book. He talked about Wolf in his book. And you guys reached out and said, hey, and, and I had listened to half of that episode, so I'm not all the way f- through it. So I apologize on that. But um, that you guys had worked through Torba's book and kind of found some biblical, um, you, you know, some biblical points and things like that. And we kind of wanted to discuss that and not necessarily uh, directly refute uh, Blake and what he said on that episode, but maybe give a different perspective of where you guys are coming from. And I respect your perspective and we want to talk about it. But uh, first and foremost, how's your summer going so far, guys? It's great. great. Yeah. Busy great. as always. Yeah. Lots to do. So yeah, we're back up to three episodes a week now. So it's uh, it's keeping us busy. <laughs> you, guys, so. you guys are just, uh, man, you guys are just crazy with that three episodes a week. <laughs> I love it though. I mean, because it's it's nice because in a content driven world like we are, you you know you you, you kind of get a you go to the to the podcast and it's like okay, well they got something new out every couple of days, something fresh. Um, the books you're going through, which I absolutely love. We did a book segment for a while here, and then it, you know it's busy, it's hard for anyone listening and is a podcast listener. These guys putting out three episodes a week, it's just a lot of work, and they're doing it for the glory of God, I would assume, and also because they, they want to put out content that glorifies. God educates their listeners, things like that. So, uh, yeah, you guys do you guys do a lot of good work, and it is tough doing three episodes, um, but that's cool. So, staying busy with the episodes. Uh, do, do anything fun for uh, summer so far? We're about halfway through it. Nothing all all too yeah. fun, uh, but <laughs> we uh, we were out at uh, in Moscow, Idaho, a couple of weeks back, yeah. which was awesome, yeah. and uh, that was a lot that's of fun. True. Yeah. So, what you guys trip. do out there? Uh, let's see. Jake, so Jake and I were out there for was it a week. We were just visiting, looking yeah, at the area, yeah. looking at houses. We're kind of looking at moving out there within a year or two. And oh, um, wow. so kind of looking at the area, you know, learning the landscape and all that, meeting up with people. And then I was out there about two weeks ago with a friend of mine who does a lot of editing and, and digital uh, work with our show. And so we did a lot of filming there. We met up with some other local contacts and stuff. So yeah, it's, it's yeah. been cool. It's been keeping us busy. <laughs> Very cool. So you guys might be moving to Moscow. Well, it'd be a good addition if you guys went out there. Um, keep me updated on that. So yeah, let, yeah, let's let's talk about this. Give me the premise of what you guys were thinking about when you went, uh, you know, listened or watched that episode with Blake, and kind of what you were thinking when when he's bringing up some of those points about well, there's underlying white nationalism supremacy in some of the arguments that Torba mm-hmm. makes or some of the things that he tweets, what, what were you guys thinking? Because I know you, you guys are big gap proponents as well. You got a big following <laughs> there. You're always posting there. People, 
comment and, and go there. And obviously you read the book, but uh, t- take me through those first kind of few thoughts. Yeah, I know, like, personally, for me, one of the things that I was thinking, you know, we read through the book, and we did it in two months, we really took our time, we analyzed each chapter, really walked through it. Um, Yeah, there were a few things we might have disagreed with. But largely, you know, I think the way we described the book, it was kind of just like a recap, we were like, Oh, yeah, Yeah. there wasn't actually a ton of like, what I would call new theology. There weren't really any new ideas. It was just a summation of what I would call post-millennial theonomic ideas of structuring a society and so jake and i read it we were kind of like oh yeah hey this just it just makes a lot of sense there's a lot so so when i heard you know blake talking about it i was like i never thought about that like i i assume he's coming and i think later in the episode he talked a little bit about um coming from a less theonomic um perspective and so i guess from that perspective it makes a lot of sense that it would be like oh this is new this is weird this is a little strange Mm -hmm. but to me i was kind of like hey if i were to explain to someone uh, post-millennialism and theonomy. And I wanted them to get a, like an intro to those two ideas. I'd say here, read this book. This, this introduces you to post-millennialism and some concepts of theonomy, but really just the idea that all of Christ for all of life, like the word of God applies to every single area of life. And that if you want to fix culture, you have to fix the churches first, which I thought was, was a really cool aspect. I think, um, Oh, sorry. Um, oh, I think with Bruce and I, where where we see a lot of issues going on is is how people define this, and and people like they see Christian nationalism, they they see that name, and they become turned off by it because the way that we typically think of nationalism, mm-hmm. and we always, at least within our media and within within uh, our culture, we we see nationalism as a as a bad thing. And to be honest, the way that they would describe nationalism, the way that they would define nationalism, it it's, is a bad thing. Yeah. It is. Yeah, right. But Christian nationalism, at least the way that Andrew Torba and Andrew Isker in this in the book defined it, and even the way that Bruce and I would define it, is that that Christian nationalism is a Christian nation, it is a nation that is comprehensively Christian in all areas. And that's including all of the Kuyperian spheres of government, civil, church, family, and individual. So mm. I think that's, that's like where a lot of people happen to like think that it's wrong. But when you really look into it, it is quite basic in something that a lot of, well, a lot of theonomists kind of already know. Yeah, this this whole talk over the last geez year and a half, two years on Christian nationalism has really just kind of confused me because pre you know before that, if you ask most evangelical Christians, um, most Protestants, let's say that, um, do do you want a Christian nation? Everyone would have said yes, like ninety nine point nine percent. Yeah, and yeah. many, the majority, I believe, would have said, oh, we were founded as a Christian nation. Um, yeah. so it's this, it's this weird thing. And, uh, if you guys ever get the chance and you probably read it, but I always recommend it, uh, God and government, I think, uh, oh, yeah. Damar wrote that, yep. uh, just a phenomenal kind of reference book really of, of yep. all the things that went on in the founding fathers that, you know, mainstream media and your public schools just won't talk about or teach. Um, so, so, so then when you just, when you say Christian nation, and then when you just say, well, Christian nationalism, well, then everyone, you know, gets all out of sorts. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess I would say it's maybe the impl- implementation of that. And I don't want to spend too much time on just Christian nationalism. We've exhausted that here on this podcast, but <laughs> um, uh, 
I, I guess is maybe nationalism is, is what's getting everyone upset, but yeah, what, I, think, I think, you know what I mean? That word. Like, yeah. And, and so many people hear the word nationalism and what recently, you know, I was talking to somebody yesterday and kind of reset the idea of what, of historic, like historically how this word has changed and evolved over time. But recently the word nationalism has been taken to mean uh, you have this sort of pride and really it's arrogance in your yeah. country mm-hmm. to the extent that your country is better than every other country out there. You believe simply for existing, right? It just is. Yeah. I'm born in this country, which means I am, you know, better than every other country, which is not the historical definition of nationalism. Right. right. And I think that that's what the work of Torba Isker, um, even Stephen Wolf in his book, what they tried to do was reset that and say, no, this is mm-hmm. not what nationalism means nationalism does not mean you are an arrogant idiot <laughs> right? yeah. where you just stupidly think your country is better no matter what it does. No, nationalism means, hey, we all live in nations and we need to look at that as a nation and we need to say, okay, how can I take my nation for Christ? How does it look for my nation to live according to the word of God? And so when you look at nationalism, you're looking at this cosm of of a nation. And you're saying, yes, I I do love my nation. I was born here. I lived here. All my memories are here. My family's here. I want this nation to be Christian. And so it's a, it's a different way of looking at nationalism as opposed to what everyone hears. And so, yeah, Yeah. I I was the same way when I first heard the term, I was like, Ooh, Mm -hmm. really? We're going to, we're going to adopt that. Like that's, that's where this is going. You know, (laughs) that was even a bit too far for me, but then, you know, talking to, to some other people, hearing Doug Wilson discuss it, hearing James White and Doug Wilson debate it, hearing uh, Stephen Wolf on Canon plus talking about it. And then just listening to like Steve day show. He had a couple of people on that talked about it as well. Yeah. Um, And there, there was, there were so many discussions about it and I've kind of changed my thinking because I've heard it reframed in, in that way. Well, I'm so glad you said that, and I'll let you jump in here too. Uh, but really quick, I wanted to say, one, I'm glad you said that because I'm quickly realizing uh, in the podcast game, I'm the old guy now. I turned 42 yesterday, <laughs> and I remember when nationalism meant what was good for the nation state, the largest type mm. of tribe. We, ha- we have local communities. We have, you know, we're even set up that way in, in politically, uh, local communities, uh, townships, counties, states, and a nation. And that term nationalism has been co-opted over the last, just over the last like five years, I would say really co-opted. It goes back a little farther, but to where now it has this negative stereotype. And I really get upset when, um, uh, when we concede the definition that the left gives us and then we go, okay, I guess that's just the definition now. And we're Mm going to try to argue from that. That's a losing battle. When when yep. the when when your enemy can define the terms and then you go okay well I'm going to fight from those terms well you've already already lost the battle I would say <laughs> too very quickly that um, Vody Bakum uh, has a really nice kind of uh, uh, perspective on Christian nationalism with him being in is Zimbabwe I believe where is it Zimbabwe yeah no. yeah one of those yeah I think it's yeah. Zimbabwe and they are. Their constitution says we are a Christian nation. We're Christian nationalists. And I think on Man Rampant with Doug Wilson, he said, so what? Are are those guys all white supremacists? Right. Yep. He goes, we're we're 99.9998% black in that country. So it's, it's kind of, you know, so he has, he has a unique perspective. I would throw his name in there too, that you added on, on that kind of talk on nationalism. Um, But yeah, I'm sorry. Did you have anything to say, Jacob? Uh, No, no, I did not. I'm sorry. No. 
I kind of, re- I kind of responded to Bruce there. I wanted to see if you had some. So let's talk about the book. What's the name of the book that Torba wrote? Remind me again. Christian nationalism. Isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Christian nationalism. Okay. I, I thought I, I couldn't remember if it had like a byline in it or something. It too. does. Yeah. The subtitle is really cool. I think it's something about uh, taking dominion and discipling nations. Okay. Yeah. It's right here. Oh, there we go. Okay. Right here. Yeah. A biblical, a biblical guide for taking dominion and discipling nations. Yeah. yeah. So what, so what were some, some biblical values or principles that you saw in the book when you guys worked through it and really quickly throw in there, how far, how long ago was that? And where can people find those episodes? Yeah, if you go to trdshow.net slash episodes, you can literally search for Christian nationalism. Um, and we have six or seven episodes um, just on that, uh, going through each of those chapters and, and breaking those down. So, um, yeah, I think that was November, October, November of last year was when we went okay, through Okay, so not too far ago. Yeah. Yep, yep. Jake, do you want to break down or do you want me to? So I would bit? say like one of the biggest parts is and something that he states just kind of in the beginning. So he starts out the book talking about what is Christian nationalism and all that. Um, but then chapter two, he he talks about directly that if if you are a Christian, if you believe in the basic Christian tenets, you are a Christian nationalist. Yeah. That if and that as Christians, if we believe that the in the Great Commission uh, that Christ stated in Matthew 28, if we believe that, then we believe that we are to take dominion in all the earth, discipling all the nations um, and baptizing them, them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And that we are to create nations, as it says in Matthew 28, that we are to create nations and discipling them, turning them into godly nations, turning them into Christian nations, uh, which would be Christian nationalism. Um, and so I think that's one of the biggest, biggest parts of, of the book and that it, it shows, um, the great commission in, in Christian nationalism and shows that Christian nationalism is a biblical thing that everybody, every Christian is striving for or should be. Yeah. Very quickly. Let me jump in there. What would you guys say to someone who says, well, look at when Christ said disciple all nations, he wasn't talking politically. He was talking geographically, go into the entire world, every nation and disciple them. So how do we extrapolate a political theory from Christ just saying disciple all nations? What do you guys think about that? Yeah. Well, and then part of that. So I think you have to also look at the second half. And when I've always read that, it says disciple them, teaching them, and then baptizing them. Mm. And as good covenantal theology people, when you baptize someone, you bring someone into the covenant, right? Or Mm. you're placing the sign and seal of the covenant on them. And if you are a covenant, uh, uh, someone who's in the covenant with God, that means that that specific covenant, covenant, it, it takes up every area of life. Like if you look in the Old Testament, you look at the Abrahamic covenant, you look at all these different things. It wasn't just one particular part of a country. Right. Or it wasn't just one particular part of your life, even. Okay. Mm. Uh, yeah. I know you're in covenant with God. Um, so all that that means is, uh, on Sunday or on their Saturday, on the seventh day of the week, then, then you, you, you know, follow God and you bring your sacrifices. But every other day you get to do whatever you want. Right. Nope. Yeah. That wasn't, that wasn't how the covenant works. So it's the same way here. You know, when we bring the nations into covenant with God and it's not us, it's Christ working through us. What, happens is now every area of that nation from bottom to top, it's not top to bottom, it's bottom to top, gets transformed and Mm -hmm. taught how to live according to the word of God, right? They're in covenant with Christ. They're a covenant nation. Um, Confessional County. It's a really, really good book. 
um, where he walks through that as well um, and discusses those all of those different things. Um, and the idea there is that it's the Kuiperian sphere sovereignty. Gary Lamar breaks that down. We discussed that um, when we read through his books on the show. Um, but it's that sphere sovereignty that says, okay, if the individual is uh, living his life, a self-controlled life before God and living it according to scripture, that's going to inevitably boil up to his family, right? Mm-hmm. If he's doing it correctly. And if the family unit is doing that as well, that's going to boil up to the church. And if the church mm-hmm. is living their life according to the law of God, to the word of God, they're structuring everything, their church government, everything according to the Bible, that's going to boil up to the civil government. It, it's inevitable, right? It's not one of these things that we have to like figure out and be like, oh no, I, I think that it probably would be good if we affected the civil government. Mm-hmm. Oh, maybe we should make these cases from scripture. It's like, no, it's it's inevitable. There it's is no yeah. you know making that case. And I think the clearest evidence of that is that God literally, Deuteronomy is is a sermon. The whole book of Deuteronomy is a sermon delivered to the people of Israel to tell them how to function as a society. Part of that sermon includes how to structure your civil government, right? Book of Exodus, yeah. book of Numbers, they tell us about representative uh, uh, government, uh, civil government, right? That's where our founding fathers got the concept and idea of a democratic republic. They didn't come up with that. They got it from scripture. That's mm-hmm. That was done in Israel. They had a, a democratic republic. And so... That's why we have that today. And so it's it's this yeah. concept of the Bible speaks. There's, there's no area, to quote Kuiper, right? There's no area of life where Christ doesn't scream mine, right? There's no right. square inch. And that includes civil government. Mm. Yeah. And I would, I would add to this, first of all, that if it was just going out into all the nations, baptizing them, when you, when you baptize a nation, and if you don't mean politically, if you just mean the people in that nation, it's it's going to like what Bruce was saying, it's inevitable for it to bubble up into the um political realm. But to also add to that, we see so much language language throughout the scriptures, especially in the New Testament, of political language. A lot of the things that Christ said were directly attacking quotes given by Caesar were and him taking it and rephrasing it. Uh one one such uh one being that when they handed the coin to Jesus or he asked what, what was on the coin and he, he said, render unto Caesar what is Caesar's, but render unto God what is God's. And he was directly attacking Caesar saying, you give what to Caesar is Caesar's, but even more so give to God what is God's. And, mm-hmm. but and also, also, right, <laughs> yeah, exactly. everything is God, right? Nothing out of yeah. his purview. Right. Yeah. He's right. kind of making that point. Yeah. And then no, lastly, that's it would be. Sorry, what would be um, Romans 13, where we find that God is saying that the civil government is his servant, saying that the civil government follows his law. When when someone is a servant, they listen to the master. They do what the master says. When when Christ says that the civil government is a servant to God, they are to do everything that God tells them to do, which what Bruce was describing, Deuteronomy, gives them an exact... um, an exact picture as to what the civil government should be doing. Stay with us. We'll be right back. This episode is brought to you by Covenant Real Estate. And why not? It's my podcast and my real estate company. But seriously, I've absolutely enjoyed helping clients buy, sell, and invest in real estate over the last 12 years. My brokerage serves clients in Michigan and Ohio, with more states coming soon. 
When I started this brokerage, I wanted to ensure that my expertise and knowledge would serve every one of my clients. I take my fiduciary responsibility to my clients very seriously. That's why I named it Covenant Real Estate. Not only is a covenant a contract in the legal sense, but it's also a solemn promise from myself to each of my clients. I will do my absolute best to serve you. It's also pretty cool that our name has some theological implications as well, which is a great conversation starter. And here's the best part. My agents and I have extensive experience in helping people buy and sell residential homes, buy and sell commercial properties, as well as investing in real estate and selling and purchasing recreational and vacant land. Covenant Real Estate can help you with all of your real estate needs, and I would love the opportunity to earn your business. So if you have real estate needs in Michigan or Ohio, call me at 734-731-GREG. That's 734-731-GREG. Or click on the link in the description of this podcast episode you're listening to right now. Remember, Covenant Real Estate. Confidence from contract to close. Yeah. Yeah, and 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 I think you see in the Old Testament, uh, and like you said, in Deuteronomy, I, I would argue you see very specific civil laws for an Israel state. In Romans 13, it's a little more broad, but it is still very clear, and it's holding the same theme, which says, hey, the government is there to bring justice to evildoers and protect the righteous. The yep. issue I have is we have a government that does neither of those very well, uh, and that often, less and less often. I think that's yeah. why we're seeing this discussion of Christian nationalism, and we're talking about uh, guys like Torba and and things like that. But to shift gears a little bit too, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of how do I want to say this? Uh, I hate to use the word controversy because some of it's drummed up. Um, the left does this very well. If you go to like uh, oh, po- what's a poverty law center? I think it is, and and all these different websites, the ACLU that track these white supremacists. And, and they'll make these large claims that are a paragraph long, and then right. they'll show they'll show the quote of what someone said. And and you know, okay, there. if I really right. twist that out of context and I really <laughs> add a bunch of stuff to yeah. it, I think you could possibly get halfway there. Right. And mm-hmm. and people and people on the left and progressives and even moderates and and some uh, conservative Christians, uh, and I'm saying conservative uh, politically go, oh, yeah, and they just jump on the bandwagon to where when you really mm-hmm. dig into the words of what someone's saying, it's it's nothing more than maybe stating a fact, whether it's a hard fact or truth to swallow. Um, right. I think Torba is in this camp because, um, you know, he's got some tweets to where he will start with, um, you know, the, the Jewish people or the Jews, right? And as soon as you say that now in this society, it's like <laughs> you, cannot, you cannot group yeah. anyone. Well, uh, let me take that back. If you are on the political right, you can't. If you're on the political left, well, intersectionality and grouping people into race or sexual desire, oh, that's okay. Mm-hmm. But, if, but if you're in, in a different persuasion politically, you can't say yeah. the Jews or <laughs> right. African-Americans as a whole and, and then right. you know, quote a stat or whatever. You're automatically racist and a white supremacist. So yeah. he's had the some stereotype. Tweets. Yeah. He's had some tweets where I look at and I go, well, I don't know if I would have said it the same way, but what he's saying is factually correct. But now he's anti-Semitic. What are you guys' mm-hmm. feelings on that? I'm not telling you yeah. to sit here and defend Torba. I'm just saying, what are you like when you see stuff like that? Are you agreeing, yeah. disagreeing? Go, I'd say it different. Oh, he really meant that. I mean, what do you think? Yeah. yeah. No, I think. Um, um, oh, you want to go? <laughs> you guys are both I ready mean, to jump on that. I one. know. 
Yeah. Well, because yeah, we were uh, getting ready for that, but um, yeah, <laughs> um, in, it comes in, up a lot. Like yeah. in his book, he literally, and in a sense, I'm not defending Torber himself, but I'm I'm showing he defends himself in his book. He literally he he has an entire chapter where he says that this is the chapter in case you think that I am anti-Semitic and against Jews. This is a chapter for you to for you to go to. And it displays exactly what he does and does not believe. And it shows that that he isn't he isn't anti-Semitic. And I think Bruce has some specific quotes from that chapter uh, that I don't have currently. But yeah. Yeah, I mean, if you look on, like, in the book, page 62, page 63, the, he has a whole chapter, like Jake was saying, it's it's talking about Judeo-Christian values, right? And he makes a distinction. He says that, you know, we, we shouldn't be striving for Judeo-Christian values because Judeo, like, the Jewish ideological belief system separates Christ. It says, okay... You can have all of these principles, the moral law, the Ten Commandments, the ceremonial law. You can have all these things apart from Christ, which I love the way he states this. Um, He says that, uh, let me see, where is it? The, um, oh yeah, page 63. uh, He says the modern Jewish religion is not, quote, just like ours, but without the New Testament. If they reject Jesus, they reject the Old Testament because all of it is about him and points to him. And so that, that was his point in that chapter. And then later down on that same page, he says, far from being, quote, anti-Semitic, a proper understanding of this shows heartfelt concern for their souls. Uh, we should pray often for the Jewish people to accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Ethnic Jews yeah. who repent and accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior are our brothers and sisters in Christ. If that sounds anti-Semitic that. to you, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so, so let me throw a theory out there and you guys tell me what you think about this. Cause this is what I think is going on too is so even, even uh, like Protestant Christianity and Judaism saw kind of about 10 years ago, this woke wave, this cancel culture, this really pushed by the progressive left, maybe even more than that kind of started getting really crazy. And mm-hmm. you had guys like, uh, like, um, uh, ben Shapiro and uh, Dennis Prager and these guys who were who were Jewish, who were also politically conservative. And the Christians went, well, look at we, we have disagreements theologically, but boy, politically, we can stand on some of these principles and kind of, you know, yeah. the, the the average conservative to maybe a little more moderate, but more conservative uh, evangelical Christians said, OK, yeah, let's let's stand with those guys uh, because we, we've got us over. Your enemy, your enemy's enemy is your friend or, you know, however you want to say it. It's like there's some crossover there. So let's fight this this wave. Then when you really start parsing it out, when you really start putting Christ at the center of everything, uh, you have to start looking at, okay, well, Dennis Prager says things like, well, you know, if you're looking at pornography and and it's not you're not really technically cheating on your wife, but it's for variety, (laughs) then it's okay because he is a Jewish person who believes mm-hmm. in the the very legalistic law but not yep. the fulfillment through the new covenant right of right. you even have right. that thought you you your heart it's what your heart is before god right and you have exactly. guys like uh, uh shapiro who will you know ben shapiro who will now celebrate uh someone like dave rubin and his air quote husband uh mm-hmm. having a air quote baby and yeah. and saying, oh, look at this. Happy Father's Day, because Dave contributes to the Daily Wire. And so you have mm-hmm. another kind of you see this Jewish this Jewish theology going, well, no, I mean, 
we're not necessarily for gay marriage, but if it happens and you know, they're loving and, and adopting of this child and each other, well then, okay, let's celebrate it. So right. you start to parse right. that as a Christian. Well, now you're going, Oh my gosh, you're anti-Semitic and you hate Jews. And it's like, <laughs> well, well, no, we have vast differences in our theology. We might yeah. have a few things in common politically, but just like you stated and how Torba stated, and I would agree with that, it is an extremely big difference when you take Christ out because you're right. taking him out of the entire Bible because he's. And he's, that's what that pointed towards. Yeah. The whole point of that law right. that they love yeah. so much was Christ. Yeah. And if they've lost that, then you've lost literally the whole point of everything you believe in. Like, yeah. You're just yeah, holding so to a bunch so of we're at a now. weird so we're at a weird time and I think this is exasperating it. Is I say that right? Exa- I don't know. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, to where to where now we're we're parsing out well okay these allies that were sec- that were Jews. And let and let's be clear, if you go to Israel, secular Judaism is is the most liberal secular nation state that you could probably visit more than America. And now if I if I say that I'm, you know, anti-Semitic by saying <laughs> the Jewish culture in Israel is extremely secular and anti-God. And, and yeah. most of them are just, uh, they're not practicing Jews. And the ones that do practice outside of Orthodox Jews, very, very liberal. And you see that here in the United States as well. Most Jewish people are democratic. They vote mm-hmm. Democrat. They're liberal. To say that now is, oh, you're anti-Semitic and you hate Jews. And you go, well, no, I'm, st- I'm stating a, a fact of reality. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Or when you say something like media uh, is, is, is Jewish ran or has Jewish influence. I'm sorry, but you can go to, you can go to, um, you know, any fortune 500 list and you can see the media companies and who owns those. So these are Mm -hmm. statements of fact. And I don't like when it gets construed with, Oh, well, you're automatically, you know, anti-Jew and anti-Semitic if if you state these facts, which I think, and I'm not, and I don't want to, and I'll let you talk here in a minute. I don't want to defend Torba, but I think he gets some of that sometimes. And, yep, and a lot of people absolutely. do. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, his whole goal, right? And I don't know if you I don't know if you've ever read his newsletters, but they're tremendous. Um, he sends them out once or twice a week. And it's just amazing. Um, but his whole goal with Gab is the parallel economy, which I'm sure you've heard about. Um yeah. it's the idea that, hey, we've seen this before, right? The Bible, you read through the book of Isaiah, read through any of the Old Testament laws or uh books that talk about uh, what the judgment of God was on Israel for what they did. And the judgment is total economic collapse, total national collapse, uh, poverty, uh, famine, all of this stuff that we are seeing today in America, right? So we are very clearly a nation under judgment. Torah talks about that all the time. And I think it's really important that we get that because that's not just a random statement of fact. It's not just like, oh, well, what are we going to do now? Well, the Bible told us what to do now. <laughs> we prepare for what happens when God brings this country low. Yeah. What's going to happen is the secular institutions will crumble. They'll fall apart. No matter how strong they look now, they're crumbling from the inside. And they just, maybe they don't even know it yet. Most of them I think do. But what happens is when they crumble, we need to be ready to step into the brink, step into the void and say, okay, we've been building a parallel economy this whole time. I guess that's uh, this is the new primary economy. <laughs> you know, right. We need yeah. to step in and say, okay, well, we have the phone companies. We have uh, TV uh, systems. We have the internet. We have the, here you go. It's, it's ready to go. You know, we've been faithfully building according to what the Bible tells us to do, not your yeah. secular system that crumbled and fell apart. And now when it falls apart, here you go. So anyways, he's about the work of doing that and they hate him for it. <laughs> they hate that so much because 
A, it reminds them of what they're doing to themselves, right? Yeah. They have to be constantly reminded that they're crumbling from the inside and they're falling apart. B, they hate the idea, the devil hates the idea that there could be anything left standing after God brings this nation low, right? He wants to yeah. destroy this nation. The devil wants this whole thing to crumble because it represented a biblical way of structuring a society. And he hates that more than anything else. And so he's tried everything he can do to tear it down and tear it apart. And so when someone says, okay, we're going to stand strong, we're going to hold the line. And when this crumbles, when the devil's work falls apart, turns to nothing, turns to vapor, as your Ecclesiastes reference, <laughs> then, <laughs> then we got to be ready to step into the break. And they yeah. hate that. Yeah, I, I, I find it very interesting, um, too, that if, you, if you're a Christian business owner, let's say, and I am, uh, and, and let's say you're just, uh, I keep using evangelical, but just the, the average Protestant Christian business owner, you would say, I want my business to glorify God. Almost everyone would, I don't care what denomination you are. And I want to live by b- biblical yeah. principles mm-hmm. and right. But if you say, and you say, and, and I want to expand and I want to treat my employees correctly. And I want to pay them a wage that they're, that, that they should deserve and they earn, um, you know, pay a man what he's worth. Proverbs says, um, I'm in, look at, I'm not in favor of a minimum wage or overpayment, pay a man what he's worth, be generous with, with, with your, uh, wages. But my point is now you, that's called people like, Oh, that's dominionism. You're all <laughs> dominion theology. If you just want to run a business and, and, and glorify God in it and take over sectors of, <laughs> in, you know, of technology and chem, you know, yeah. bi- biology and all these things. And I just went, how are we getting into this space to where everything is like go, goes to this weird point of where we label it? And it's like, I remember when that was just, you know what I mean? Like, I know there's theology behind yeah. dominionism, but that was just being a Christian. That's, yeah. that's what yeah. Christ has called us to. Right. Um, and it's well, very and frustrating for me. We gave up on that. I mean, I love the term Doug Wilson uses called evangelifish churches, yeah. right? Yeah. So much of evangelicalism is evangelifish churches. They're squishy. Yeah. They got no spine. Yeah. They got nothing to hold to. They're, you know, dispensational, they're, um, you know, non-denominational. When you let yourself hang out there and it's like you've detached yourself from the tree, what happens when the wind comes along? So you're just like hovering in the air and then a gust of wind comes, you're gone. But every squishy church has become that because they think, oh, if we hold to the creeds or if we hold to tradition or if we do, then we're like Roman Catholics and we can't do that. Mm -hmm. So let's go pendulum swing the complete opposite direction. Throw out, throw out everything we know about taking dominion the way that God has told us to. Throw out everything about discipling nations. Throw out everything about how civil government should be run according to the Bible. Throw it all away because we know better. Because we yeah. we have the better theology and and previous generations they they didn't know anything. You know, like yeah. Like, well, it's crazy. You heck? said they don't go by creeds or confessions, but you go to non-denominational webpage and you get to the what we believe. And you're like, right. it's like they just went shopping like Ooh, a little Westminster, a little 1689, a little <laughs> Heidelberg, put that in there. We'll <laughs> reword it to make it modern if you're, you know, and uh-huh. that's if you're, if that's a, that's if you're lucky for a, for a yeah. seeker friendly church. But it's like you still have those things. You, you're still mm-hmm. uh, you're still saying you live by a creed and confession, but you don't want to officially. It's right. like, right. I think that's and part of the problem too, is we have a lot of squishy churches and everything we talk about right now, even on this podcast to most Christian churches, I'll make a bold statement here. I'd say, when I say most, it's generally over 50%. These would be extreme Christian ideas, right. what we're yeah. talking about. And that's sad. And they're not. They're just, they're traditional ideas. They're ideas that we've believed for thousands of years. Yeah. yeah. Yep. All right. So let's put some bookends on this. Um, 
what else you got in the book? Give us a little preview, uh, maybe one more thing of what you talked about to where you went, okay, that is a, that is, that is a good biblical principle in this book and why you read through it and, and explained it on your podcast. Yeah. I mean, I'll let Jake talk about um, a couple months ago. He talked about unapologetic Christianity, being unapologetically Christian. Um, mm-hmm. And Jake, I know you brought up the example of like, this applied to your field, this applied to my field, applied to lots of fields. Do you, do you want to tap into that a little bit? Yeah. So I think uh, unapologetic, being un- an unapologetic Christian means that you are um, in your field um, acting as a Christian, even even maybe not being in each other's faces, being in, in their <laughs> face in a sense that you're always um, evangelizing to them. But be, just being acting, being a Christian will, in a sense, evangelize to them, whether whether you're talking with them directly or not. And, you know, especially in my field, being that um, <laughs> I think it's interesting that as a as a chef in a restaurant, you it is surprising for chefs, for other chefs to hear that I've never been to prison. Um, <laughs> right, right. Oh, and, and, Surprise. and it's actually, it's actually something that's typically on a resume when you, when you go to, go to a restaurant. They, they're we set, we set our standards so high here in the United States. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right, yeah. right. But it's, it's for you to be a chef, people find it, find it weird and they actually they consider you being less experienced if you haven't been to prison and so for you for me as a christian chef going into a restaurant it's it's weird and i'm i definitely stand out um as a different person because i haven't haven't been to prison i don't curse i don't swear and which is completely different if, if <laughs> anybody has heard of gordon ramsay um and, and actually <laughs> Gordon Ramsay is reserved compared to most chefs that I've been around. Um, And so being unapologetically Christian and depending on the darkness of your, of your field, uh, you being, you being Christian will stand out more than, than if your field is actually um, okay. Well, at least, at least in Bruce's field, I understand things are, are a little bit lighter to where it's harder to blend in. It's it's a little bit easier to blend in, but yeah, right. um, you just have to clench your fist every time someone's got he him in their bios, <laughs> and they force you to do it as well. It's just pride yeah. flags all over the place. It's just like, okay. I'm glad the, yeah. the 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 webcam is up here and not down on my hands, like on my desk. Just <laughs> okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's funny you say that too, because I have a friend that uh, is a chef, and then kind of a, an acquaintance that I don't know as well, but works out in New York in a pretty famous uh, a restaurant out there. And they tell me the stories, and it's like they're like you cannot even. They're like you know the stereotype with like cussing like a sailor. They're like doesn't even mm-hmm. hold a candle. Like the things they say, the way they talk to each other, and it's usually sometimes not out of anger or frustration. Like this is just how they talk. Like yeah, yeah. you know what I mean. It's part of that vernacular. It's yeah. part of vernacular. It's high. It's high stress job, especially when you're trying to plate stuff and get stuff out quickly and r- correctly. And he just goes, "It is. It is." And he's a believer, and he's like, "It is a tough place for a believer." Um, and he goes, "You." And he did. He said the same thing you do. He goes, "You stick out because the the first thirty seconds, if the word something filthy doesn't come out of your mouth, they're looking at you like you don't you don't speak you don't you don't speak chef." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So, so yeah. that's. 
yeah, unapologetic Christian, uh, being unapologetically Christian was a huge, huge part of it. Um, the Dominion mandate, he restated what that means, what that looks like. Um, he restated several times, you know, this does not come through the end of, you know, it's not at the end of a barrel of a gun. It is not violent. Our weapons are not of this world, but they have divine power to tear down strongholds. That is mm-hmm. huge. And yeah. he talked about the what right now, the power we need to wield and the direction we need to go in is our churches. We need to focus so hard on getting our churches right, because that's the that's the biggest issue. You can look at the political scheme. You can look at this. You can look at that. The pride rallies, all that garbage. All of that is a side effect. It's all a symptom of our churches. Our churches are not preaching all of Christ for all of life. And Andrew Torben, this book, and Andrew Isker um, really honed in on the churches. We need revival. We need reformation. We need churches to look back in history and get back to their roots, get back to the, the church founders, get back to the word of God and throw off all the extra stuff we've added. Or, yeah. yeah, and that means either we've shirked off everything or we've added all these extra laws legalistically to that are just all of that. Is, it's the same thing. It's hatred of God's law and it's, it's throwing us down the hole. So, yeah. So in uh, really quick to finish this up, you, you make a good point because I just listened to uh, an episode with a, uh, a philosophical theist and I think he's an astrophysicist on the Joe Rogan podcast. He just was on a few days ago and I was like, well, I got to pop in there and listen to that um, because Joe doesn't have a whole lot of uh, guys on from the theist viewpoint. And he was even making a point that, you know, the reason why we even have science and uh, secular secular scientists say this, you know, in the 16 and 1700s, it was being done like Newton wrote his his thoughts on gravity as a theological essay. He did it for the church. (laughs) No, he did. It was it was called he he wrote after his essay. He did a whole little, you know, four pager. And it was like, well, this is because of the creator of the universe. And he had all his theological. Right. So it's this crazy thing where even secular historians go, oh, that's where science kind of really got started. And it was all because they were believers. Um, Einstein, a believer, mm-hmm. you know, Newton, a believer, all these these guys. And so it's like we music, don't we, same way. Bach, music, handle all of them. Yeah, it, right. Yeah. yeah, so it's, yeah. So it's like the 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 church and, and when you put Christ at the center of everything that drives everything in our reality, whether it be the sciences or the arts or, you know, engineering or even the political system. So I think that's a good note where um, we, we should probably put, put parentheses around that really quick before we go, tell the guys what uh, everyone listening, what you're up to um, and you know, what do you got coming yeah. up? Yeah. So we're uh, reading through the Chronicles of Narnia book by book, which nice. has been a ton of fun. We started magician's nephew last month. We are on the next one this uh, this month. So every month we have my pastor on to break it down, discuss it. My pastor, to give you some context, is so into the Chronicles of Narnia and C.S. Lewis's work that he literally named his son Caspian. So that gives you some insight into <laughs> pretty cool name though. Dude. <laughs> yeah, that is a cool it's name. pretty awesome. Yeah. So anyway, so we're chatting about that, which is cool. Um, we have had so many people on the show the past couple of weeks. It's, it's been awesome. So anyways, all of that is now available on our website, which just came out a few months ago. That's our own platform. We aren't going to censor ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so you can go to trdshow.net and all of our content is there for free. So cool, man. I'll make sure I link it up to um, Thank you. for any, anyone listening on dead men walking. And if you guys are using this for one of your episodes too, over at reform dissenters uh, for the, for the reform dissenters audience, you guys don't know what you have in these two brothers in the Lord. Um, just be, be <laughs> watching. Them. 
you know, your stuff is awesome. We've really appreciated it. In a couple years, you can be like, Hey, I jumped on the reform dissenters wagon early before they, (laughs) before they grew up and were huge. So uh, I like it. Also too. side note, when my kids were really young, like, um, like three, four, five, and six, they would say, tell me a bedtime story. And I would just recite little snippets of the Chronicles of Narnia <laughs> from memory. And about two months in, my four-year-old goes, awesome. daddy, you're such a good storyteller. And I'm like, yep. And I just would like lie to them and they think I'm telling these awesome <laughs> stories. Amazing. Well, now they've read through, you know, now they're uh, nine and, you know, nine, 11 and 13. And they read through all of them. They go, nice. dad, were you just telling us stories from Narnia? And, and also I had from Lord of the Rings too. And I was like, That's oops, hilarious. sorry. You know, it was a fun, I was I like, we'll it. find out eventually. So, uh, awesome. yeah. So if you have to Weird. lie to your kid, no, I'm just kidding. Don't lie to your kid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, well, I just want to say, Greg, we, uh, we really appreciate you having us on and we really appreciate your show. The oh, content you, you, you guys produce is, is awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah. Whenever I see it pop up on my phone, I'm like, Oh sweet. I get to listen to a new dead men walking episode. So it's, it's small same here. Doing. I so, love the trajectory you guys are on. And if you, if, we, if you make that move out to Moscow, if you do eventually, you got to come back on and give us an update because uh, we're following you closely. But uh, Bruce, Jacob, thanks so much for being here, taking time out. I know you guys are busy. I appreciate the <laughs> response and the thoughtfulness yeah. and, and going through those books too. Um, I mean, when you guys go through books like that, that really helps people out to, to go, okay, to break it down, you know, mm-hmm. and even people who maybe haven't read a book like that and go, okay, maybe I should look into it and read it myself. So guys, yeah. thanks so much for being here. I really appreciate you. Yeah. Likewise. Thanks, thanks for having us. Cool guys. Thanks for listening to another episode of dead men walking podcast. As always, we appreciate you sharing with a friend, going to dmwpodcast.com, checking us out there. And uh, as always remember chief end of man to glorify God, enjoy him forever. God bless. Be sure to check us out at dmwpodcast.com where you can purchase the best and snarkiest merch on the internet, support the show, and leave us a review or message. Dead Men Walking can be found on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at Dead Men Walking Podcast and on Twitter X at Real DMW Podcast. The Dead Men Walking Podcast is part of the Fight Laugh Feast Network. For exclusive show content, be sure to download the Pub TV app and become a member. If you're a business that needs to reach hundreds of thousands of potential customers in your demographic, podcast advertising might be for you. Send all inquiries to Dead Men Walking Podcast at gmail.com. None your biscuits.